Welcome to Taking Back Her Brain with Love, the only podcast using neuroscience and self-coaching strategies to rewire your brain to get the results you want in your life. With your host, Coach Amber Lynn. Hello, you guys. So glad that you're joining me today. Today, we are going to be talking about our expectations for other people. And to lump all of our expectations into one word, my coach refers it to the manual. So it's the manual that we have for other people. So I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about that today and how we have an, a mental manual for ourselves and for others. So I'm going to share a screen with you. I'm going to present it. So today we're going to be talking about taking back her brain, our brain, everyone's brain from the manual that we have for others. A manual is simply a playbook that we believe people should act a certain way, talk a certain way, respond to us in a certain way. And if they don't, they're not a good friend or they're not a good teacher. They're not a good mom or yada, yada, yada. So it's basically anything that we think inside our head, how somebody else should react or respond. So everybody, we all have a manual inside of our heads that tell us how somebody should respond. It looks different for everyone. But um, when you're dating, you have a manual for how somebody who is interested in you responds. So we believe, some of us out there in the dating world, that if they do not respond right away, they are not interested. If they do not respond to a text message in the way that we want with the specific words that we want, they are not interested. It is so ironic, I guess is the word, or so interesting. If you really examine the thoughts that you have in your brain about other people and what our brain perceives as they're interested, it's like they literally have to meet all the checklists of our manual for how to respond for our brain or us to believe that they're interested, right? So think about a good friend that you have. You have a manual inside of you of what a good friend is. A good friend responds to text messages all the way, all the way, all the time and completely, right? They um, want to spend time with you. They make time for you. They create the time for you. They make plans with you. Well, what if you have a friend who doesn't like making plans? That's just not their personality type, right? And then those of us that are always the planners are like, they're not. I'm a better friend than they are, or they're, they don't really want to be my friend because they don't make the plans. I think I'm going to just not text them back, or I think I'm just going to not start the text, or I'm not going to invite them out anymore because, and see, you know, if they ever notice or if they will ever make plans. What if that's just who they are? What if it means nothing about you as their friend or nothing about who they are as a friend? What if they just don't plan? What if creating plans isn't what they do? It doesn't mean that they don't care about you. It doesn't mean that they don't like you as much 
or that they're not as good a friend as you are, right? We don't really know. But when we have a manual for other people and we have a manual for how they're supposed to respond, we are trying to control things that are completely out of our control. And then we take somebody else's actions to mean this thing about us and about our relationship. When really the other person's actions have nothing to do with us and it has everything to do with the thought that they think in their head and how it made them feel and the actions that they chose to take or not to take. Let me say that again. So when we have this manual in our head, this narrative in our head about how people should respond to be a good friend, to show us that they're interested, to show us that they really care or that they care about us as much as we care about them. Trust me, you guys, I used to be that person. Always reaching out and thinking nobody cared about me as much as I cared about them because I'm the one always reaching out. I'm the one always making plans. So what? What if that's something they admire about me or love about me? It's something I love about myself. So why am I going to not do that? Because I think them not doing it means that they're not a good friend or that they don't like me as much as other friends. Right? Isn't it interesting? Like the story that our brain wants to tell us. When you take the pressure off of other people's actions to mean something about you, you can really give people permission to be exactly who they are. And when you are able to be open to letting people be exactly who they are, you give yourself permission to be exactly who you are. So when we think people should act a certain way, you know, if they're a good parent, I put good in quotes because there's such a broad definition for a good parent, right? I bet you can think about friends. You can think about anybody in your parent realm who, if they don't do this thing a certain way, your brain wants to categorize them as, oh, they're not a good parent. Or also like the manual you have for yourself about what a good parent is. You know, if you really sit down and sit with the manual or the checklist of things that you have to meet in order for you to consider yourself a good parent, you'll be amazed at how many perfectionist lists that you come up with and how you're really taking your brain and putting yourself against this perfectionist checklist, right? To be the perfect parent, a perfect parent is way different than a good parent. But in order for us to be a good parent, we have this idealistic checklist of what it means to be a good parent, right? We have constant influences to tell us what a good parent is. A good parent always has cooked meals ready for their children. A good parent always makes their children lunches. A good parent works, but then also takes out quality time and doesn't spend time at home working. When a parent is with their parent, I mean, when a parent is with their child, they are completely with their child. 
a good parent always makes lots of quality time for their children and plays with them. I mean, the list goes on, right? All of these expectations of what a good parent is. But what if you didn't want that to be your definition of a good parent? You could give yourself permission to rewrite your manual. You could rewrite it to be that a good parent is somebody who puts themselves first, who takes care of themselves, who regenerates and rejuvenates their soul, their brain, and their heart so that they have more to give their child. You could rewrite the manual for what it means to be um, a good parent, that it's okay to not always have activities planned and game night and movie night and Pinterest fun events and just be present, right? When we spend so much time in these should be's, like I should be doing this, I need to be doing that. We just create a whole bunch of judgment inside ourselves and then we create resistance inside of our body and we already feel like we failed. And then when we have this manual for what our partner or our spouse is or the other parent, our co-parent, what they should do to be a quote good parent, what does that do? I mean, we have a hard enough time managing our own thoughts, our own actions, and our own behaviors, but then we want to somehow control and label other people's behaviors and actions. And thinking that if we do that, then they'll want to change because why would they not want to be a good parent? How much drama does that create in your life? Right? Before all of the thought work journey that I had and before all the thought work and the journey I've been on to really understand the manuals that I had for other people, I was not allowing other people to be who who they are. I had a lot of expectations of what they should do if they are a good parent, quote, or if they cared about me or respected me as the parent, the other parent. And what did that do? created tension, created drama, created stress from both people? And do you think the other parents' behaviors or actions changed? Nope. Did they still act and be who they are? Yep. So what happened, right? Well, I learned to not make their actions mean anything about me. Just because they don't rearrange their schedule the way that I think that they should to get to visit earlier with their child, I don't make it mean that they don't respect me or that they don't respect their child. Because I have no idea what the the model inside of their head of like their thoughts, what they are and why they're doing something. When you give people permission to be exactly who they are, you guys like, don't take this to the extreme. Of course, 
there's appropriate times for boundaries and there's appropriate time for not spending time with people who you choose you do not want to spend time with. But I'm just talking in your small little bubble of the world, your little corner of the earth where you choose to spend time with, or maybe you don't choose, but there are people in your life who are a part of your life. The way that you really allow yourself to allow other people to be themselves is taking away any meaning of their actions. Don't take somebody else's actions to mean anything about you or how they feel, think, or anything about you. Other people's actions, other people's behaviors, other people's responses mean nothing about you. So when you have this manual inside of yourself, inside of your head, of all these shoulds, they should act a certain way. They should say a certain thing. They should treat us a certain way. They should also receive our thoughts and feelings a certain way. They should always agree with us, right? They should always make me feel comfortable. They should never give me uncomfortable feelings. They should never disagree with me. And if they do, they shouldn't say it like that. Well, when we have these constant things of what people should do and then people don't do it, what does that create inside of you? Annoyance, frustration. And then we get into this pattern of trying to keep controlling it, trying to manipulate people, right? We may not even be aware of our manipulation or telling people how their actions make us feel, right? A big part of this journey is really learning how to take yourself out of the equation for other people's actions. Because when we have a manual for how other people should or shouldn't act, we don't show up the way that we want to act. We don't show up for ourselves. We're focused on them. We're giving them all the power again. We're not truly giving ourselves the power. And it's also a freedom. Do you know how freeing it is to let other people be exactly who they are and not make it mean anything about you? My dad fights bipolar. I don't know if that's the correct way of turning it, terming it, because he doesn't fight it well he ignores it or doesn't accept it. I don't know the terms, but my, my dad has bipolar disorder. And before I came to thought work and before I really did the work on learning to love others unconditionally and learning to really look at the manuals I have for them and asking myself if I wanted to keep it. And if it was benefiting me, I had a manual that if my dad was a good dad, He would take medication. He wouldn't say the things that he said. He would apologize for the things that he said. He would hold himself accountable for his cycles of depression, his cycles of paranoia, his cycles of everything, right? If my dad cared about me, he would. If my dad loved me, he would. 
And that's just not the case. And how was it serving me? Was I showing up to be the daughter that I wanted to be? No. I decided my day after I went to my um, Life Coaches Clutch College event, it was a three day of coaching, three days. It was an amazing experience. I decided that I wanted to love my dad unconditionally. Even if it's from a distance, I could still choose to love him for who he is and not have him be a part of my life. I could still choose to believe that my dad loved me and decided not to take medication. I could choose to believe that my dad still loved me and decided that he shouldn't apologize for things that he does not remember and not make it mean anything about him, about his love for me, or about my love for him as a human and my dad, right? We could get really deep and really press on any topic of anybody who's in your life. But it's also in the day-to-day our coworkers, our colleagues, when we take every action, every look, every gesture that they do or say and say, well, if somebody liked me, they wouldn't do that. Or if they respected me, they wouldn't tilt their head that way. They wouldn't roll their eyes this way. They wouldn't breathe like that. (laughs) You know, it's amazing. Like all these little cues that our brain picks up on. That's what it's designed to do though. Our primitive brain is designed to pick up on all the environmental cues to tell us if we are in danger or harm's way. Nowadays, though, it's not helpful as much because it is telling us that, you know, uh uh-oh, you're in big trouble because they don't like you. Did you just see they rolled their eyes at you? So what? They could have also just rolled their eyes at the thought that they just had in their head. We have no idea what is going on in other people's heads. And the more that we truly accept that and we truly allow people to be who they are, we enjoy the freedom of letting go. We also get to enjoy unconditional love for ourselves and for others. Especially in communication. Communication is so hard when you have a human brain. Your primitive brain wants to read into everything and wants to look for danger and look for reasons that they aren't interested, look for reasons that they don't respect you, look for reasons that they don't like you. So it's constantly on defense or offense or whatever the fence is. I'm not a sports person, (laughs) but it is always there, right? But what if we allowed people to communicate with us and we were open to hearing them and what they are actually saying? And then if we're not clear on something, what if we were vulnerable enough to say, hey, can you explain this a little bit more? I'm not understanding this, right? What if we um, were co-parents who 
decided to give permission to the other parent to be who they are and not make it mean that they're a bad parent or that they don't respect you or they don't respect your schedule, right? Trust me, this is very hard for me. I had to go through like complete thought downloads to really learn to accept this. When people were late, oh, I made it mean so much about me. They don't respect me. They don't respect my time. When um, dates would cancel on me, oh my gosh, I felt such major rejection. You know, something came up in their life. Something happened. I didn't even want to hear about it. Don't even talk to me. You canceled on me. And I made it mean that I wasn't good enough. I made it mean that they were rejecting me. And of course, it had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with them. So what do you do, right? You start becoming aware of the thoughts that you think about other people. You start looking at your thought errors. You start really digging in deep and seeing what you're making others' actions mean. Are you categorizing it? And are you categorizing it in a way that's serving you? And is it helping your situation? And when you do this, you really dig into your brain and you use your higher brain not to judge yourself, you guys. We're never judging ourselves. Because that creates a whole nother layer of shame. But what we do is we look at our brain, our brain's reactions, and we look at our thoughts. And we truly ask ourselves out of curiosity, what are we making this mean? And why? Is it serving us? Why and why not? And maybe you do want to have a manual. And that's great. You can totally have a manual. But if you have a manual for how other people should or should not act, just be ready. Because they're going to act the way that they act. That's who they are. And they have the right to do that. So if you're choosing to have a manual and you're choosing what is in it, You also have to be choosing and be open to the feelings that it will create inside of you. Because we all have a playbook inside of our head. I like to call it a playbook because a manual is very like, where a playbook is like, if they do this, then I do this. If they do that, then I do this, right? What's your playbook for when somebody hurts your feelings? Yeah, remember, they hurt your feelings. Do you shut down? Do you punish them by not talking to them and they don't even know that you're not talking to them because you've shut down? That was one of my favorites, right? Oh, I'm not going to respond back to this text message right away because they hurt my feelings. They didn't do this the way that they were supposed to. Right? So my challenge for you or my homework for you, whatever you want to call it. I had a college professor who called our homework home fun. I had no buy into that. 
So I will not call it home fun. But if you want some thought work this week, just really take a look at your thoughts and see what you are making other people's actions mean about them or mean about you. And see if you want to keep them. Thank you. Thank you, you guys. Thanks for coming and hearing me talk about thought work. And um, I look forward to talking to you more. Please visit www.takingbackherbrain.com. Don't forget to follow Taking Back Her Brain on Instagram and Facebook. That is one word. Thank you for listening. Have a nice day, everybody.